Welcome to the Trinity Western University Chapel podcast. It is our prayer that these chapel talks would bless your heart and they would draw you closer to our Lord. We offer them to the glory of God and for the good of the world. Before we dive into the message this morning, I just want to commit our time once again as we look into the scripture. Father, we're delighted once again to be in your presence. Father, I pray that you would uh, open our eyes, that you would open our ears to understand and open our hearts to appreciate and open our, our minds to comprehend the depth of your love towards us. In Christ's name I pray, amen. If you are here for the last several weeks, we have been unpacking the vision of Trinity Western University. And in light of our vision, we are speaking from the scripture. As you know, our vision states that every graduate is equipped to think truthfully and to act justly and to live faithfully for the good of the world and the glory of God. As I hear this vision, I'm so comforted in the fact that our vision is first and foremost inspired by the Holy Scripture. It is centered in Christ himself. So as I look at our vision statement, three things come to mind. First of all, our vision is biblical because it is inspired by the Scripture. The word equipped we see in 2 Timothy 3.16 as Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and he says as it pertains to Scripture. And he says that all Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. So as we look at our vision, first and foremost, it is biblical. Secondly, it is missional, in that it is for the glory of God. In Ephesians 2.10, we see that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has created beforehand, that we should walk in them. So our vision is not only biblical, it is missional. And finally, our vision is global, is it not? It is for the good of the world. And may I suggest to you this morning, all this begins with this central theme of the truth. It all hinges on the truth found in God's written word and also in his incarnate word, Christ himself. This is not the truth that you and I experience in today's day and age. For example, today, once truth might trump the truth. But if we open our Bibles and read the scripture, it is very clear, according to John 8, 31, that if it says, if you abide in my word, this is the Lord Jesus Christ himself speaking to his disciples. And he says, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
And Lord Jesus Christ elsewhere, he says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. And as we reflect on this theme of Christ and living faithfully because of the work that he has done in our lives, who is this Christ we are talking about? I'm glad you asked. He is the Christ incomparable. And today, it's my burden to share with you about the person and work of Christ so that we may live in this world faithfully representing him anywhere that God would lead us. So who is this Christ that we are talking about? First and foremost, he's the Christ who is the revealed Savior. He is the revealed Savior. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, and this, this is what prophet Isaiah wrote 600 years before the arrival of Christ himself. And he says, for to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And this prophecy came to fruition as we read in Matthew 1.21 when the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. And this is what the angel says. She, meaning Mary, will bear a son and you shall call him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So he is the revealed Savior and he was manifested in the flesh. God sent his own son to redeem us. He's our savior. And he saves us. Saves us from what? He saves us from sin. He saves us from eternal punishment. He saves us from the wrath and justice of God. Because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So in order for us to be brought back to God, God makes a rescue plan. And he sends his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us from sin. So he is the revealed Savior. He's not only the revealed Savior, he is the rejected Savior. He's the rejected Savior. John 1.11 says that he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. He was the long-awaited Messiah, Yeshua, Messiah. And he came to fulfill the scripture, but his own people rejected him. They received him not, the Bible says. But it goes on to say, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. So he's not only the revealed Savior, he is the rejected Savior. And thirdly, and perhaps most importantly, not perhaps, but assuredly most importantly, just as we sang, he is the resurrected Savior. He is the resurrected Savior. In John 1, we read, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He went to the cross and died for your sin and my sin. He laid down his life so that we could have eternal life. 
Mark 10, we read, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. And he did not just die. He rose again on the third day. And this is the undeniable and the most important truth you will ever hear. And it's the most important truth of the gospel. Because Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. And he was buried and he was risen again on the third day in accordance with the scripture. That's what Paul says as he writes to the Corinthian church. And he says, for I deliver to you as of first importance. So the Christ we are talking about today, he is not only the revealed savior he is not only the rejected Savior, he is the resurrected Savior. And not just that, he is the revered Savior. Remember as he comes out of the water after his baptism, spirit descending from the clouds and the voice coming from heaven saying, Behold, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He is the revered savior. And God has put all things in subjection under his feet. The one who humbled himself, the one who took on the form of a servant being found in the human flesh, God has highly exalted him and has given him the name above every name that at the name of Jesus, Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord for the glory of God the Father. He is the image of the invisible God we read in Colossians, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together bodily. And in Hebrews, we read that he holds the universe by the word of his power. He is the revered Savior. And that is the Christ we worship. And now, this revered Savior is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And he is interceding for us. He is interceding for you and me, praying essentially us into heaven. He is the revered Savior. And finally, he is the returning Savior. That's what we read in John 14, is it not? When Jesus himself says that he would go to prepare a place for those who believe in him. And we read in 1 John 3, 2, what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. He is the returning Savior. Now, my question to you this morning is this. Do you have the assurance of seeing our Savior when he returns? Do you know him? Do you believe in him? Do you love him? Are you a part of his kingdom? 
I'm sure many of you here who are awaiting his return with great anticipation. But perhaps there are some of you here that don't have Christ as their Lord and as their master. And if that's you this morning, I urge you to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Because he says to those who do receive him, who do believe in his name, he will give the right to become the children of God. God's word says, if you believe in your heart and confess in your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you will be saved. And he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and from your unrighteousness. So this morning, as we look at Christ and in light of that, how we live faithfully in the world, it is important to understand who this Christ is. He is the revealed savior. He is the rejected Savior. He is the resurrected Savior. And He is the returning Savior. In closing, I want to read this quote from the late John Haggai as it relates to Christ Himself. And I quote, Who is this Christ of whom I speak? No character stepping out on the platform of history can abide in the presence of the incomparable Christ. The heartthrob of history, the diadem of the universe, the fulfillment of prophecy, the savior of the world. Christ overshadows all. He is the vox humana in all music, the line of grace in all scripture the most exquisite blend of light and shade in all paintings, the pinnacle of achievement in every endeavor. To the artist, he is altogether lovely. To the architect, he is the chief cornerstone. To the astronomer, he is the bright and morning star. To the baker, he is the living bread. To the biologist, he is the life. To the builder, he is the sure foundation, and to the carpenter, he is the door. To the doctor, he is the great physician. To the educator, he is the great teacher. To the engineer, he is the new and living way. To the geologist, he is the rock of ages. To the author, he is the living word. To the farmer, the sower, and the lord of the harvest. To the florist, the rose of Sharon, and the lily of the valley. To the horticulturist, the true vine. To the judge, the righteous judge, judge of all men. To the journalist, the good tidings of great joy. To the philosopher, the wisdom of God. To the preacher, the word of God. To the statesman, the desire of all nations. To the toiler, the giver of rest. To the sinner, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. To the Christian, the Son of the living God, the Savior, the Redeemer, and Lord. To the disciple, the Commander-in-Chief, who gives us our orders with unmistakable and unconditional clarity, His Christ, the incomparable. And I end quote. He is the revealed Savior. He is the rejected Savior. He is the resurrected Savior. And He is the revered Savior and he is the returning savior. Is he your savior? Great indeed, Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy 3.16, he says, great indeed we confess the mystery of godliness. 
that he, meaning Christ, was manifested in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by the angels. He was proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. And that is the Christ we worship. Amen.